Good day to you, fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. Speaking of blessing the Lord, um, we, well, first of all, as has already been acknowledged, thank the Lord uh, I'm part of a work and a ministry here that is going after lost souls, and it was a beautiful day yesterday. God gave us a wonderful day. Think about it. It could have been like today, but it was not. It was actually a very nice day to be outside because it wasn't overwhelmingly hot and uh, it was warm enough and uh, people were going for shade in the early part but then it clouded up and even that wasn't necessary. So thank the Lord for his goodness and Vacation Bible School, I'm so proud of our church. I'm just so proud of our church for, for all that everyone did and the part they played in, in uh, touching young people's lives. I better get into the word. I only have a short time because I want to make sure we're able to clear out in here and uh, ready for the second service this morning. My message is titled, Blessed to Bless. And if you happen to want to take notes, uh, you can do that online. If you have our app, you can go online uh, because I sent those notes to our people and that is available to you right now to follow along online. But you can just take notes or do what you do or just listen. And I'm going to begin with a question today. Are blessings an end or a means? Is edification, that is being spiritually built up, the finish line or the starting line? For that matter, is the baptism in the Holy Spirit an ultimate experience or an enabling experience? I want to share with you a story from my earlier life. Um, we, I grew up in Florida, most of you know that, and uh, as part of that, one of my earliest jobs was working for a grove and ranch in uh, Wachula, Florida, a little town midway in the state. You could just about put crosshairs on the state of Florida on the thumb portion, and you would wind up very near Wachula, a rural community at, uh, that had a lot of orange groves and cattle. And I worked for Charles Ray Cowart for Cowart Groves and Ranch. And um, I don't know how many cows he had, but uh, I enjoyed working that job. I actually liked working that job uh, a good deal. But one of the, as I grew older, and especially once I had become married, and I lost uh, they, they, they laid off guys from the one job I had and on my way home from that being laid off, I stopped at uh, his place of business. I had worked for him in, 
again, in my teenage years, during the summer times, I would work for him. And like I said, it was one of the first paying jobs that I had in my life. But I don't tell you all of that to talk about the job itself. I want to talk about the man, Charles Ray Cowart. Because of if I can, I can name on one hand the, the men in my life who have left a huge impact, and he stands as one of the premier ones. He uh, was a deacon at Lakedale Baptist Church. Uh, he was an upstanding person in general. He had a great name in the community. But what, how he affected my life was in two significant ways. There was one summertime back in the days when, when busing people to church was a, it was a big thing in the 70s. It, it came on strong, and, you know, if you had a bus, if you didn't have a bus ministry, you were doing nothing. So I remember him taking us. There were three of us guys working for him, and we just did odd stuff that, you know, regular people don't want to have to do, crawling around under orange trees, cutting suckers off the trees and fixing microjets, which is what provided water to the trees and stuff like that. It was hot, and you were always dealing with bugs, including black widows and scorpions and stuff like that. So it was definitely a young man's job. And, and, uh, but I remember him pulling off of us off of that and saying, look, we got to go over to the church. We're going to have to, that church needs, the bus needs to be sanded down. We're going to get it painted. And he employed us, paid for us to sand that bus down and get it ready for ministry. And then as once I, I, I was married and I, I started to tell you that uh, I left one job, I got laid off, and on my way home I asked him if he had work for me, and he said, come back on Monday, that was Friday, he said, come with me on Monday and we'll, we'll get you going. And I worked for him for three years at that point and became his supervisor within a few months, and, and I was attending Bible college at the time, and without fail, I would come to the end of the week and we just told him what our hours were. You know, that's just how it worked. It wasn't a, you sign in, there was no card that you clicked some clock. We told him what our hours were and he wrote out our checks. And time after time, and this comes into play with what my daughter shared with you about tithing, we always tithe. I've tithed since I, I got my first paycheck. I've been a tither. And um, somehow, Holy Spirit would deal with him. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. All I know is that often, he would pay me more than I should have received. Often, he would do that. And various times over those years working with him, he would bless us. And take good care of us in that way financially. Left a huge impact on me. On the way he lived, but his generosity. He was a wealthy man. I can tell you that. Uh, I mean, he was a, a millionaire when 
being a millionaire was a big deal. Um, not that it isn't now, but I'm just telling you this was a long time ago. And, but he was extremely generous and he never lived like he was rich. He had a giving heart. I'm telling you this story to say to you, I was just one person of dozens and dozens of people that he always blessed. When I just told you this about the bus at the church, he, it wasn't his responsibility to do that. He did that because he loved the Lord. He used his workers to bless the kingdom. He was constantly looking for ways to bless the kingdom of God. He would literally... there. Any of you that have ever worked around anything that has to do with farming should know that the work is never done. It's just, it's never done. There's never that moment when you can say, well, I guess we'll take a few days off because there's nothing to do. There's always something to do. But I watched that man. He would go out and knock on the doors of the houses to invite their children to church and drive the bus to pick them up. So generous, generosity, blessed to be a blessing. And so what I'm doing today is attempting to challenge your thinking. I want you to know why God blesses you or builds you up. So it's not just about finances. Hear me when I say that. When he strengthens you at your core, you are blessed, encouraged, so that you may use that for the glory of his kingdom. There is a divine purpose behind God empowering us. Somebody say amen. This is linked to revival. It's why I want to encourage you to be out this week. Come on, set aside time so you can be built up, so you have something in your storehouse to give out. Find a way, make a way, take away the excuses. Yes, let me tell you some things. I'll tell you right up front. Every service that he hosts will be long. It's why he's not doing this service. Confining him to 45 minutes is like putting an elephant inside of a glass. It's not going to happen. So the services will be long. They will go late. You won't leave here before 10.30 most nights. And we start at 7. I mean, you could leave here before 10.30. But I'm just trying to set you up. It's just not good uh, for I'm, I'm not trying to hide it. I just want you to know. But if that's what it takes for you to be strengthened, then find a way to get involved in it. Make up for sleep next week. Figure out another time to get those things fixed up. I understand sleep is good. Really, I do. But you'll get sleep. Come out and be a part of these services and get your spiritual lives built up. The blessings and spiritual touches, that's a church term, we receive in revival services are purposeful. 
any special blessings, giftings, bestowals, or empowering that we receive from God, excuse me, is intended to be used for blessing others. Two. God's blessings are rarely one-dimensional. I'm going to say that again. God's blessings are rarely one-dimensional. There are times God will bless you just because he wants to bless you. And that's okay. God will bless you just because he's God and he loves you. But blessings are rarely one-dimensional. If you bless me, it will affect my immediate family. Right? If nothing else in me just having a better attitude, feeling good. How many of you know when you feel good, people notice it, right? Because they certainly notice when you don't. You might as well say amen even on that one. To state it simply, we are blessed to be a blessing. We must never become addicted to self-edification. We must cultivate a heart for the harvest, reaching lost souls, always thinking others. We do that as a church. Let me take you in the scriptures to Matthew 9, verse 35. Matthew 9, verse 35, they'll probably have it on the overhead, and I'm going to be in the New Living Translation. And somebody make sure we have water on this platform because this is the only bottle after I'm done with it. Matthew 9, verse 35, I, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Thank you. I think that was Robert. So we begin with open our eyes. The first thing I want you to recognize in this message from this word that I just read is open our eyes. Notice Jesus saw the crowds. He saw them. Jesus could have set up his spiritual shop in the temple expecting people to come to him. That's not what he did, though. People would have, right? You know that. People would have come to Jesus. Heal a couple of folks, and they're going to be crowded in. Uh, teach some good stuff, they're going to come in. He could have set himself up in a temple. He could have set himself up in, in situations where people would have looked at him like, wow, Jesus. He could have spent his days debating with religious crowds about the technicalities of the laws or spiritual matters in general. He often put them at, at, on their heels because of his teaching. Often. He could debate 
with the best of the best. Why? Because he knew God. He was God. He understood the principles they're trying to teach. But instead we see Jesus, we witness Jesus going to towns and to villages encountering firsthand the suffering of individuals. He's encountering firsthand the suffering of individuals. He saw with his own eyes that they were, the, the Passion Translation puts it this way, weary and helpless. He saw it with his own eyes. So the question for us today is how clearly do we see? And let me suggest a couple of ways in which our eyes are opened. We see more clearly as a result of interaction. Interaction. You know what it is to interact, right? When was the last time you left your comfort zone and witnessed firsthand the struggles and suffering of those around you? I mean, we're living in a time that that's not hard to do, find somebody that's suffering. You know, I will agree with what my wonderful daughter has already proclaimed. We've been blessed during this time, but we, I am aware, and I know, people that are struggling. When we opened our food pantry in the early days of COVID-19, we had we had, I bet we had 30, 35 people that first pantry night during the COVID outbreak. Everybody, there was a lot of people here to help and just give out food. And we, we hit the ground running and never looked back. But three months later, we're struggling to find people to help give out food on a Monday night. Three months later. When was the last time you left your comfort zone and witnessed firsthand the struggles of those who are suffering around us? So the first way that we uh, must have our eyes opened is through interaction. The second way is through intercession. Intercession. It was prayer. Peter was in prayer on the rooftop in Acts chapter 10, when the Lord spoke to him and said, hey, some guys are coming for you. You need to go with them. There's a place I want you to be. Peter was in prayer. I want you to hear that. I want you to focus on it a minute. Interaction and intercession. They develop our eyes so we can see around us. So we first must open our eyes. Second, we need to open our hearts. After seeing others' needs, we must ask ourselves, how deeply do I care? Because you can do what you do, right? I mean, there's probably no one in this place that hasn't turned that television off when you saw the bloated belly of some dark-skinned child somewhere in the world. And know that they're going to ask you to give money so that we can feed the children. But compassion involves seeing with our eyes and our hearts. 
The scriptures that I just read to you tell us that Jesus was moved with compassion. Are we? Are you? When was the last time you wept over the brokenness around you? When was the last time your heart ached over a need that was not your own? It's easy for us to crowd, oh God, how can I, another flat tire? Oh, we can cry out, Lord, I don't have time for this. Yeah, but Sal needs your work. He's going to use you to bless him. Here's what happens. If you get close to the Father, you'll begin to feel what the Father feels. It's not enough to see without being moved inwardly and outwardly. It's one thing to see, but you got to see and be moved inwardly and outwardly. Real compassion requires action. When was the last time you wept over the lost in our community? Now, let me turn that around now, because crying doesn't change the situation. Crying doesn't fix it. I, hey, feel better for me, cry for me, but throw me a few bucks, that'll help. I'm not saying that I need your bucks. You understand what I'm telling you right now? Weep over my situation, be concerned, have compassion for me, but your compassion has to move you to action. I want to change the word and call it compaction. Because that's for real. That's going to matter to me. Your action will fix my story. Make it better. Are you allowing God to impress his passions on you? Jesus looked around. He viewed the people and had compassion on them. But it didn't stop there, did it? What actions are you going to take to help? How can you remedy the problem rather than just recognize it? Let me say that again. How can you remedy the problem rather than just recognize the problem? Oh, that's bad. That's really bad. I'll use my own life as an example. My a shed I had in my yard, I don't know how many, it was a year and a half ago, tree fell on it. And uh, it was a giant. Just one limb of that maple tree was huge. And I could show you pictures and you'd say, wow, that's, that's bad. But I showed some pictures and talked to some brothers and some brothers showed up at my house. Compaction. They had compaction on me. They took action. You get 10 brothers out out there, they can make quick work of a 
big old tree. Brought chainsaws and saws and gloves and it was a man's world there for a few hours. <laughs> Got that tree out of there. How can you remedy the problem rather than recognize it? Finally, we need to... So we open our eyes, we open our hearts, and finally we open our lives or offer our lives. Listen to these verses again, verse 37 and 38. From the same chapter of Matthew 9, verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. I got something interesting for you. It's possible you've never noticed this before. I'm about to show you some revelation from the word. Isn't it interesting that Jesus tells his followers how ripe and ready the harvest is, but he doesn't tell them to start picking. He tells them to start praying. Isn't that interesting? You tell me, uh, Vanessa said she's loaded, overloaded with he, her and Mario with tomatoes. When you, when you say that, you're like, okay, so let's go harvest some tomatoes. Jesus doesn't say that. He says, start praying. He's giving us a clue as to how things work in his kingdom. God's ways are different, aren't they? Come on, somebody. His ways are different. That whole idea, turn the other cheek stuff, that's different, isn't it? You can say amen. He asks you to go a mile, go two. That's different. Right? Ask you for your, your shirt, give him your coat also. That's different. His ways are different. So God's, Jesus is giving us this clue into how his things work in his kingdom. Perhaps the most challenging part of harvesting is praying. I've got such a fresh example. Just yesterday. Now, first of all, last Monday, we, we had 24 hours of prayer and fasting. And then, and then uh, yesterday, you, you have to imagine that we had, I don't know how many workers that showed up yesterday. Around 40 workers. There was a bunch of people here to help with yesterday's outreach. We're starting at noon, literally, noon start time. And at 11.05, we call all of the workers together and say, now we're going to pray for 20 minutes. Do you know how hard that is for many people? Seriously, you're thinking, well, what's the big deal? The big deal is we're going to have 200 people show up here in a minute and we've got a thousand things yet to be done. But instead of chasing those thousand things, and there was previous thought that went into it, obviously 
We, we did some setup prior. People showed up at 9 a.m. Some showed up before that yesterday. But my point is saying this. We had a hundred things that needed to be taken care of. But we paused to pray. Because the Lord of the harvest told us to do so. He told us to do this. It, it helps us focus appropriately on where our real strength and the power to change lives comes from. When the, so, prayer is the first key to spiritual harvest for two reasons. Number one, prayer is where the battle of our wills is won or lost. Yielding of me to what he wants. So that's where, that's why it's important that you pray to the Lord of the harvest. Because if he doesn't engage in the process, lives won't be changed. You can make somebody smile, but you cannot change their heart. So I said number, there were two things. Second thing, prayer is the key to unlocking the prison doors and liberating those who are captive to Satan and sin. We got to recognize people are bound by the power of the enemy and we are the ones. God has given us the power. God has given us the way, the means, if you will, to set captives free. That requires action. It requires what people can see. But there's the hidden that must be done in order for what is seen to actually make an impact. But I must warn you, something happens when you begin to pray that way. When the disciples began to pray for the Lord of the harvest to commission laborers, they became the answer to their own prayers. By praying first, what happens is that God primes our hearts for personal involvement. It's what often happens to those who are in ministry. It happened with me. When I begin to recognize that there are lost souls dying and will land in hell, if somebody doesn't do something about it, God begins to speak to me and say, I want you in full-time ministry. It's not long before our prayer, God send one, someone becomes Jesus, use me. So I'm giving you proper warning. You pray like Jesus tells us to pray, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Pray that way, and something starts on your insides. You'll be showing up to help give out food on Mondays. Blessed to be a blessing. That's where I want to close today. We are blessed to be a blessing and feel to be faithful. God pours into us so that we can do what he did, be faithful to pour out, to give out of the bounty and the riches. That's why Jesus was able to heal people, and everywhere he went, he was able to multiply food. He was able to do take care of any situation, any circumstance. The guy that was in the, uh, uh, the, the tombs of Gadarene, 
chained up. Chains couldn't even keep the man. Jesus took the chains off the man. So he was sound of mind, free of the demon, and able, demons, and able to do exploits for the kingdom of God. Jesus said, go back to your home and show the people. Show them you've changed. Show them that, that what God did for you. Because they'll be the ones to, to, to stamp your testimony. I'd love to go down that path further, but I ought not to do so just now. So when you're edified, when you are equipped for service, you have life-giving ministry. When you're built up, when you're strengthened, it's why God fills us with his Holy Spirit. That's why we need to be baptized in Holy Spirit. It's for our edification. That's one of the things accomplished by Holy Spirit baptism is your personal edification, your building up. When I am alone, praying often, the bulk of my prayer time is in the Spirit. But I, I, I want, I've got to have this thing, this, this has to be filled up so I can pour out. You need what only He can provide, and that comes through prayer and being filled. But when He fills you, you can't keep it to yourself. What has God put into your hands? that you may use to bless others. You see, God is always purposeful. Hear me say it again. This is the second time I've said it today. God is always purposeful. He doesn't waste his energies. Pastor Mackay, you can make your way up. This is the perfect message for me to lead into what's happening this week. And here's what I want you to take note of, given what's going on this week. Revival is not real unless it translates into change for us. I'm going to say that again. What we recognize, what we talk about as revival, revival is not real unless it translates into change for us. You cannot be truly revived without a new compassion for the lost. Seriously. Can you have a compassion for the lost without being revived? You may. You may just be one of those wonderful, caring people. But can you have a real, biblical compassion for the lost without being revived? 
I'm going to say it this way. You need to be revived in order to bring the real change that people really need. And so what I'm saying to you is it's time to share the riches of God's kingdom from the riches inside of you. It's time for you to share the riches of God's kingdom from the riches inside of you. Still with me? Can you stand to your feet? Pastor Mackay, you, you probably have a great song on your heart you're ready for. Why don't you lead us in that and then I'll pray. Thank you, Jesus. It's entirely possible that you've gathered with us this morning, that you're in this place right now, and maybe you've walked away from the Lord. Maybe you've let something get into your life, into your being, and that is really not good, and you, you walked away from God in sin, or perhaps you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Is it possible that as you stand here right now that there's a question mark on where you will spend eternity? Is it possible that as you are here right now, you're questioning, will I be with God forever in eternity? And if there's a question mark where there should be an exclamation point, why don't we remove that question mark and we pray right now? Would you bow your head and close your eyes right now, please? If you're here and not in the right place with God, don't know what may have happened, where things went with you in your life, but you're here and you need to make things right with the Lord, lift your hand right where you're at. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. If there's somebody like that today, just lift it up high so I could see it. That's telling me that everybody that is here is good with God. Really good with God. Hallelujah. How about those of you still heads bowed, eyes closed, but you would say, Pastor, I need a bit of revival. I want to see a change in my community. I want to be a part of that change. And what you've shared today spoke to my heart. Lift your hand up where you're at. Bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Father. 
for these men and women that have their hands up right now. God, you see them, you know their hearts, God, and you're the only one that will make a real difference in them. So to that, Lord, I say, you do your thing, Lord. Speak into their lives. Bring transformation by your power, your anointing, and your touch. Let them recognize that it's not enough to know there's a need. It's not enough to care that there's a need. But our knowing and our caring is translated to real love when it takes action. And since you are love, help us to become like you in that manner and to begin passionately praying for the lost and the harvest of souls, knowing that we are living in the final hour and make a difference in the world around us. This I pray in your precious and your powerful name, Lord. Amen. God bless you folks. Have an amazing day. No shadow that has ever overcome your light, and there is no rival that could ever stand against your might. You've always been with us, every battle you've already won. No, we've already won. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, 
If this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here in taking the gospel, not only to the Lehigh Valley, but around the world. We wanna do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.